interesting topics to kick off your weekend. Looking at the news with an eye of faith. This is Friendly Fire with Stu Kearns on the Voice of Lincoln, 1499.3 KLIN. Good Saturday morning. It's a Friendly Fire Saturday. Stu Kearns, your host. Glad to have you along. Uh, it is, boy, uh, August already. It won't be long and school's going to be starting. And uh, I've got in studio today, where every, every once in a while, I, I have to snag him, but I especially have to snag him because he's going to be teaching and, uh, and then he won't be available for like months on end. And uh, so I'm glad to have in studio with me today, Dan Alberts. God, great to be with you. 21 days to the first football game in Ireland. Isn't that something? 21 days? 21 days. Three weeks from today. Woo! I wonder what time it starts. I know, I know, actually, because it impacts the Six-hour difference, seven-hour difference. Yes. It starts here. Uh, you know. I do know. You have your Husker shirt on. I, I do know because I'm a number one, I'm a high, high Husker fan, but also it impacts this program because oh. of Husker pregame. So on that Saturday, will there be Friendly Fire? Well, the answer is yes. Will it be a full episode of Friendly Fire? The answer is no, because of the pregame that starts at 7.30. See, I know, does Nebraska football have the same effect? Because the pregame's an hour shorter yes, than it, it used to be. That's right. What do you think the reason for that is? Uh, because they needed to make more for, time for friendly fire. Oh, that's so obvious. You, I mean, is, how, could there be any other dumb, reasons? Boy, what a! Yeah. Sometimes I ask some of the dumbest questions. I mean, that just doesn't. I don't know what you were thinking. So they obviously <laughs> said, "Okay, we got to give Stu at least half a show, and then okay, when we play Oklahoma, which we all understand that it's a big game, show is canceled because you, okay. the pregame starts at you, seven. You can't quite push out Oklahoma yet. That's a tough one. That's a tough sell around here. You're on the upside though. You're coming up. I think I think I'm going to push out a lot of these games because they're going to say, you know, I I think Stu's program is more important than pregame, and I and I that's my firm belief. I wish I hope the pregame always starts after it becomes daylight. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> well, that's an image of mine that it shouldn't start before there's light. Light. Oh, <laughs> fair enough. I'll I'll go for that. And well, by, by the way, we're going to talk about all kinds of things as we always do. But one of the things students always do in the fall. See, I was an English teacher. Yes. We have a you have your essay. You do a little practice, a little writing. And uh, one of the things we always would do is how I spent my summer. And I know that you. Uh, did some really, really interesting things uh, for your summer. So I'm going to ask you. You don't have to write the essay. Okay. You, you can give an, you can give an or, oral report. Okay. I'll do the first paragraph where you state the whole thing. <laughs> yes. And then later say, here's here's what I just told you. And then I'll give you some follow-up questions. Okay. Just very like, nice. It's just like a classic essay here. I On um, July 2nd. Mm-hmm. We did. We actually we only got out of school for a couple of weeks before July second. It's not like the old days when you got out of Labor Day and went back on Memorial Day or vice versa, whichever. Yeah. It is. Yeah. One anyway, so two weeks before July fourth, we were we were just wrapping up, and then, but on July second, my be- wife and I and one of our grandchildren, um, Avery, we drove to New York, New Jersey, where my older daughter lives with her husband and family. Beth stayed there with us for a week where we did a lot of touristy stuff. It's great because you're within a half hour of being in downtown Manhattan. And then she left. And then my job, now this is my job. Summer job. Summer job is to take an eight-year-old and a six-year-old, two girls that are tougher nails, just like my daughters and, the, and their grandmother, and 
I was there. What do you call that? All pair? I want that really fancy <laughs> word. I'm sure you're an all, all pair. Uh, that I, we, so. I wouldn't want to call you a nanny or a nanner or whatever the. Is there? Well, a, I've been called a ninny. Okay, that's <laughs> get, we're getting warmer. <laughs> but what? what uh, let's stick with op. Oh, how about how about this one? How about grandpa? Grandpa. I was a grandpa you to those grandpa. girls, but I but I had a job. See, grandpa's that has an image of that you're just dick around with them, right? I had to get them <laughs> breakfast. I had to get their lunch ready. I had uh, my job was to get them to camp when they had it on time. Mm-hmm. Was to get in middle of fights when they occurred. I just said, "Can you find a little quieter? I'm reading a book." <laughs> They, they'd come to me and said, I don't think that's what you're supposed to say. <laughs> <laughs> Was it like, a, did you, they have to wear an, a, you know, an umpire's or well, referee's uniform? Sometimes I'd say, well, look, if you're going to hit her, here's what you should do. <laughs> <laughs> that's You did not say that. No, 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 but I would tell my daughter when she got home, because I think she was, Hillary was, who's very conscientious, I think she was deeply concerned that this was out of my bell curve of skills. So it, when she when I first started, this is a really funny part, I think, is she'd say, now, here's what you can fix for their lunch. And I said, well, it looks to me like you already have it in the bag. <laughs> yeah, here's the bag. I said, so you don't really want me to fix anything. <laughs> just, <laughs> well, you could put something else in it, maybe, but don't put any candy in it. Oh, so I could put a carrot in it, maybe. <laughs> Would that be okay? <laughs> but over time, either she became more confident or got exhausted in telling me what to do mm-hmm. so she finally gave me some range to work with them or be with them like i was it was an incredible time uh-huh. it was you know you're a half hour out of new york with a um, new york city manhattan broadway you know it's a train um, a ferry and then a subway to get downtown new york and going into downtown new york when you don't have to drive or you're not concerned about a $700 motel room. It is an incredible place to go st- sit on Broadway, even if you don't go to a play, mm. because it's just this world that's much different than the farm outside of Hampton, Nebraska, where I grew up, right? I mean, it's just a different. Yeah. It was just entirely different, and I love it. I went to the Irish. Did you know in downtown New York, there's an Irish memorial for the famine that took place in the 1840s? It's a full block. Every wow. stone, every piece of grass, all came, every building block came from Ireland. And it's a, it's a memorial of the famine in the 1840s that killed over 2 million Irish Is that people. what they call the potato famine? Yes, it's the potato famine. Okay. And I didn't know it existed. I never knew it was downtown New York. Mm. But when you get off the ferry, you're where 9-11, it's the memorial to 9-11. It's completed. It's completed. Mm. It's 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 breathtaking, mm. and I'm not typically affected by stuff like the buildings, but this and watching it, it affects everyone. I think that gets off. Mm. So this country, even though it's been seems like we've been getting a lot of bruises lately, when you look at what that is in New York after nine eleven twenty some years ago now, it's incredible. What I mean, it really caused me to think about we're the shine we have a reason to be the shining light and we are the shine i hope we understand that Mm. (laughs) because i mean you don't build things like this you don't look at the statue of liberty and look out at that you know my grandfather came by and when he came from 
because he didn't want to be a mercenary soldier for Hitler. He mm. came by that same Statue of Liberty. Mm. And I can remember him telling me what a blessing that was to get to come here. Mm. See, all that stuff comes into play yeah. when you're looking at that city from across the Hudson River. I mean, it's just it's striking. Yeah. And it causes me to think about just how important it is that we understand, and I'm talking about citizens of the United States, that this, we're, we represent a legacy. Mm-hmm. And it's a legacy that's much bigger than just you and I and Lincoln, Nebraska. We're, the, we're a legacy, a, a shining light for the world. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure we, I'm not sure, I'm not sure I appreciated that as much as I do now. Yeah. And, and being in New York just seems to bring that all home to me. Yeah. So that's it was moving. My summer was moving. My girls watching my daughter who I used to wait, you know, wake up, you know, when she woke up at night, give a bottle to and put her back to sleep. Now mm. she's a mother who's a lawyer, who's a busy professional with two little kids and her husband. Mm. Watching that same person do this world day mm. in and day out is just striking. Yeah. So all that stuff had big impact on me. So the to fast forward to the end here, Grandpa, uh, you you success you successfully completed your tour of duty. I was there one month. Yes. Yeah. Now I did drive home twelve hundred eighty-two miles in one day. You know, when you get older, you, I you did. really did that. Yeah. You want to know? You keep. I, I don't know if you do this. I keep doing things that are <laughs> rare to see if I can, because uh, I keep thinking you probably can't. And then as soon as I said, I thought maybe I'd try it. Of course, my daughter said, well, you're not going to be able to. You can't do that. You can't do that. You could, something could happen. <laughs> Show you. <laughs> so how much how much uh, caffeine did you consume? You know, I stopped three times. No way. I did. Got gas three times. Wow. So, well, if you're going to do 1,282 miles, you can't spend a lot of time in a gas and show. <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> Yes. No. Uh, you know, my car drives easily, and I'm not. It, it fits me well, and so mm. it didn't seem like a big deal. And I had a book on and the radio, but but the whole thing was moving to me. It was a, probably one of the most valuable summers I've ever. I mean, Hillary and I traveled into the Mid East one summer a few summers ago, and for four or five weeks around the Mediterranean, that was moving. But this is probably about as much movement mm. to watch my daughter be a mother, to be a professional lawyer working. Now she's sort of an administrative judge for asylum requests. I mean, she is top of the line. Mm. You did okay, Grandpa. Yeah, it was great. I had a great time. Thanks for asking. Yeah, yeah. Let's take a break. When we come back, um, you know, you have had many, many occupations. (laughs) You always bring that up. You're more recent. Well, just so people know, you're a Renaissance man. Uh, the uh, you are getting ready for this uh, for your second year up uh, teaching math in Omaha, right? Well, I am, yes, I'm teaching at Central. I am going to move towards robotics, so okay. but it's a little. It's got some math involved. All right, let's. We're going to talk about that in just a minute. You are listening to Friendly Fire, talking to Dan Alberts today here on the Voice of Lincoln, fourteen hundred and ninety nine three KLIN. Keeping the topics lively. The conversation civil. This is Friendly Fire with Stu Kurds on the Voice of Lincoln, fourteen hundred and ninety nine three KLIN. We are back. It's a Friendly Fire Saturday, talking with Dan Alberts and uh, Jack of all trades, actually master of several. Uh, I'm going to say I'm going to say master of several trades. 
but your current trade. So last year, just to bring the listeners up to speed, last year, it's about this time of year, and was it your daughter who called you? Yeah, Molly, who teaches at Central High School. Mm-hmm. And she says, hey, Dad. We're short of math teachers. <laughs> and, and you say. Gosh, you know, that'd be fun. I think I could teach with you. And she said, yeah. So I had about a five-minute interview, and then next day I was in the classroom. Nice. So it was a couple weeks later because school had started. I mean, I, I wasn't there the first day. But mm-hmm. I was there every other day that kids were there for the year. Nice. So, so I got there every day. Nice. And then uh, and then at the end of the year, uh, you thought, I don't know, would I want to do this again or not? And I'm just going to guess that the number one reason for doing this again is uh, a daughter named Molly. Molly. Uh, and uh, is that correct? Is that number one? Well, it's number one. And then number two, a l- little bit like Hillary said, you can't drive all the way back on one day. She said, well, it's too bad you can't stay here until Landon our oldest grandson comes to school here. Oh, well, how do you know I couldn't? <laughs> and he's in, he'll be in sixth grade. Okay. So seven, eight, nine. So I got a few more years. He'll be there at nine. Oh, boy. So I've got to get, I got to stay trained because I think I'd like to do that. And then I get a move towards something that interests me more, robotics. I love mathematics. But mathematics has no value. It's a tool to do something else, right? Mm-hmm. You know? The only people who do mathematics are either researchers of mathematics or people who teach it purely for mathematics. Yes. Otherwise, it's that's a tool to do something else. Now, speaking of your jack of all tradesness, yeah, I just made that up. The uh, there uh, a part of okay, you do the yeah. you're excellent at math. We've established that. I am not, uh, but also you recently got a master's. In engineering, right? Yeah, I mean, yes, I'm an engineer. I'm trained as an engineer. You're not a professional engineer unless you've worked as an engineer for th- three or four years. I mean, you got an intern. I haven't done that, but I did mm-hmm. all the training in college, so gotcha. I'd be called an engineer. Yeah, civil yes. engineer. Which then robotics people, school people would say, well, you're an engineer. You probably know how to do robotics. Now, the truth of it is, I took a kid home. <laughs> yeah. Now, a couple days ago, took me seven hours to put together the rudimentary robot. Uh-huh. And after another couple hours, it moved forwards when no. I told it to. No. Oh, I was so excited. Good thing I was out back of the back of my house because away from everyone because I jumped up and down for joy because I got this robot to move forward. Nice. <laughs> now it ran right into a door right away, but but there's a big gap between my knowledge <laughs> and being in competition because see, robotics has this huge national mm-hmm. and international competition yeah. Yeah. where they. Do all kinds of neat things. Now, being able to move your robot forward and run into a door would not get you a high ribbon. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, so well, I'm in training. Sense. That makes sense. But uh, but you got to start somewhere, right? You got to start somewhere. Now I'm assuming the kids thought you would know some of it, right? Yeah. And yeah. so I'm going to really keep working because I got about another seven, eight days, a couple hours every day. You know, I'm going to see if I can get it to move backwards. Hey, now, now when you say move forwards, move backwards, is that on voice command or? Well, right now it's just with a controller. Okay. But pretty soon I've got to be able to program it Mm -hmm. that says move forward 50 meter, 50 millimeters, back up 10 millimeters, turn to the right 10 degrees. All that can be programmed into it. Go pick this up when you see something red, pick it up with the claws. I mean, this, this is incredible intricacies 
Do you know that we're just sending the University of Nebraska, this is way off course, but it amazes me. The University of Nebraska is preparing a robot that will go up to the space station in the College of Engineering. And what they're doing is working on the robot for the purposes of getting it ready to do, if, if there was a needy need of a surgery, when we send people to Mars, which we intend to do by 2030, mm. what if they get ill? What if they needed an epidectomy? Mm. They're, they're working with robots to do the surgery. Wow. Now, the robot that I'm driving that ran into the door, <laughs> it's not. That's how far along yeah. we are and mm-hmm. what we're picturing as a country. Yeah. And the University of Nebraska, just on 16th Street, just you'll be within a block of it as you're walking to the stadium. That's what they're, mm. isn't that, I find that just. I mean, it's super cool. It's and cool. it's amazing that that's going on in one of those yeah. buildings that you, yeah. I find that just, so I'm at the rudimentary. <laughs> so what, my first line to the students is I'm going to show them the video of them working on this nanotechnology and said, you know, some of you are going to be, somebody in this room will be in this room. This will be your mm. future. Maybe many of you. Because yeah. we, we need to inspire people. You know, when I was a kid, we were going to go to the moon. And we did. We did. But it was yeah. my, I knew that. We had a vision about America. Mm-hmm. And my vision was, President Kennedy said, we're going, you're, we're going to go to the moon by the end of the decade. Mm. Everybody said, you're nuts. You're nuts. Yeah. We went to the moon by the end of the decade and brought our people back home. Man. I mean, that was inspiring. I wonder if we have any of those things. Do we have any of those things now? Well, you know, it's it's hard to find the the markers. I I feel like we're you know those those big things that we uh, aspire to, you know, as a nation and everything. I I think that's a part of the darkness of the period we're living in right now. Is that everybody's? It's kind of like I'm going to take care of me and mine, and uh, and this polarization that's happening in the culture because it it takes a mindset, right? It takes a mindset for everyone to say this is a worthy goal, and we're all going to pull together to make this happen. That even if you know, whatever little role we play, we all we're all invested in this yeah. some way, if nothing else, emotionally invested in it. And I, it, it's hard for me to think of anything that rises to that level. Not we we seem to have lost that idea. You know, that's you know, in my world, that's what religion did does for me. See, religion mm-hmm. is bigger, mm-hmm. even if it wasn't. It's Christian religion for me, but even if it wasn't, see that it transcends my day to day activities. Mm-hmm. There's a reason to be good, bigger than me. Yes. Okay. You can follow with Nebraska football. I mean, we all have this image of it's supposed to be number one, right? I mean, it's supposed to be bigger than Scott Frost or mm-hmm. the next player. It's a legacy. Yeah. Okay. And we're we're really confused when that legacy is being been abused. Yeah. And that's and that's been the last twenty years. It's been a, been a rough go. But we all know that that's what drives us, this sort of image of this thing that transcends us as daily. We have it with football in Nebraska, but I'm not sure we have something like going to the moon in our lexicon right now. And I think we're, we're, I I really think that's where some of our misdirection is being caused by. Mm -hmm. Nothing that, that focuses us, that's bigger than my arguing with you. Yeah. Being well, a Republican or a Democrat, or yes, and when, and when, just when you think there should be something, I think. By the way, the only thing in the in recent history I think that kind of came close to that was the invasion of Ukraine. Yes, I, it was one of the few things that I think, whether you were left or right, no matter what who you were, you're saying, "Hey, wait a minute, 
what are you doing here? And this is this is this is capital W wrong, right? And uh, it's morally wrong, and and that people have this kind of moral outrage and 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 are are cheering on the Ukrainians. We who knew anything about Ukraine two or three years ago, right? Right. But but it. It shows that there are things out there that can do this. Well, there are things out there that the Ukrainians believe in. See, we were surprised that they would fight so hard. Yeah. Because I think we've lost the idea that we would fight so hard. Yeah. Weren't we amazed? We, everybody on the news would always say, my God, those Ukrainians, they're just not going to give up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's inspiring. Yeah. Yeah. Now, the, the fact of it, it seems to me that what's happened since that is that now it's just a dragging on Instead of us being part of, let's get o- get it over with. Yeah. Now it's just like it's it's fifth page news now. Yeah. Unfortunately, yeah. I think if the United States was the, the country, I hope it was somehow the Ukraine war would have been over and the Ukrainians would be fine. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, would you have told Putin to get if you say you're president? Would you have told him get the hell out of there? See what my wife says. Why don't we kill him? <laughs> well, no, I'm telling you, that's her. Yeah. That's her. Yeah. Why do we put up with this? Yeah. I mean, I mean, that's you know that I mean that's why they pay these people uh, the big bucks to make these hard decisions because I uh, just at a gut level you're like the guy is a villain and and we need to deal with a villain and we need to stand up to him and whatever that whatever that means. Now, I obviously the big X factor here is is the nuclear weapons and is he is he enough of a villain? to start world war three well what if he was then yeah. let's stop okay one argument would be then do you damn well better stop him yeah <laughs> yeah i mean if that's the if that's the lever he'd pull then he's a, even a bigger villain it's yeah. even more reason to yeah you could argue to but I, my beth is beth is just and my wife is just in um, she just said she's at an emotional, strong level where things are right and wrong, and she doesn't get into the nuances. Yeah. She said, "Why does he get to live? Yeah. Why could he do this?" And we stand her from her view. We're standing on the sidelines. Mm-hmm. We're letting the country get this. Well, I don't know. Is it our job? Seems like some point in America we would have stopped it. Yeah. Yeah. Or it wouldn't have started. I'm gonna. We're gonna take another break, and I want to pick up on that thought because I have another idea of something I think that's sneaky that unifies us. Okay, um, I look forward to that. All right. Uh, talking with Dan Alberts today, it's a Friendly Fire Saturday here on The Voice of Lincoln, 1499.3 KLIN. Interesting topics to kick off your weekend. Looking at the news with an eye of faith. Friendly Fire with Stu Kearns, 1499.3 KLIN. We are back. It's Friendly Fire Saturday, talking with Dan Alberts today. And before the break, we were talking about, again, what, what unifies us. And I think Ukraine was one of those things. Um, I here's a sneaky one as a pastor. Um, uh, not that many. I don't know what percentage of people are, are serious Christians or believe the Bible or anything like that. But there are principles from the Bible that are just a part of our our culture. And and one of those principles over the last year, even though we can't always agree on what it means, I heard people who don't go to church and don't. Uh, you know, believe in Jesus, uh, say this little thing, love your neighbor, love your neighbor. They're, you know, so they're, they're maybe not Jewish. They didn't get it from Moses. They're not Christian. They didn't get it from Jesus, but they got it. They they may not know it, but they, that is a a core teaching of the Bible, right? 
love God, love your neighbor as yourself. So, uh, so that whole idea of how we treat each other, I think I heard more than half of us, maybe a, maybe a pretty good majority of us say, you know, this is in hard times during COVID testing trials. That's a principle that ought to guide us. Is that, am I overstating it? Nope. I think you're right on the money. I think, I think we struggle with that principle, but I think at some point, at that gut level, we all know. You know, whenever anyone's in deep stress, yeah. they turn and help other people more so than they otherwise would. They actually mm-hmm. turn more to religion than they pray yeah. a lot more, even yeah. though even the people who don't. You, no, I think it's built into our genetics. Let's say you be, believe in evolution, which I do believe with, but I also believe it was started by. <laughs> I don't think there's any issue with e- evolution we, and Jesus and we, the start of the world. We call that theistic evolution. Yeah, so yeah, and it, it's and it's accepted by the Catholic Church. So you so, but I'd say, look, it's built into our genetics. Mm-hmm. We don't have thousands of years of development as human beings, where we've got all this wisdom that's been created in generation after generation, which now I think is embedded in our genetics. Our genetics tell us if we would pay attention, mm-hmm. you damn well take care of your. Family, yeah, the people, people yeah. around you, be kind. That's better than to be mean. Yeah, I think we, well, it's the Ten Commandments. It's the Golden Rule. Yeah, you know, let's. I mean, yeah, but, we all. It's all. Yeah. It all fits. We just fight with it like crazy. Yes, yes. Well, and I, I know some people try to say that that could be just an evolutionary principle that that it's, again, it's hardwired into us to look out for each other because we need to protect the tribe. We need to keep to sure. keep you know, propagating and so forth. Um, I, you know, and so philosophers love playing with those kind of ideas because, because one of the questions is, though, but yeah, but, but how does this benefit me? Because I'm and, happier. You know, when you're a part of the tribe? When, I'm, when I look, I, I, I don't know how you are, but I truly am happier if I give a gift than if I get a gift. I, I mean, I... Mm-hmm. That's called I, ma- that's called maturity. <laughs> well, I'm not. I think my I think my grandkids are too. They, I mean, I think Avery, I think Grace enjoys watching Avery open up something that she gave her. Yeah. I mean, I yeah. think there's more joy. I think we fight with it because we're yeah. we have this possessive genetics in us. I suppose this. I mm-hmm. need to have everything, and I get scared, mm-hmm. and then I draw everything towards me, but. I think I think that's why teachers teach. I you know, Stu, I get to work with some of the most caring. I don't think I I got eighteen st- colleagues in the math. I think there's eighteen in the math department. I watched them for a year. They are the most caring. Man, when a kid comes up and says, "You did something for me," that hasn't been done for me before. My God, the glow, the enthusiasm. The telling of to others that this was told to them. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's the happiest moments in their lives. I think that's why they're there. Mm-hmm. I mean, if that just plays this out, it makes you more satisfied to, mm-hmm. to to be that person who reaches others, and they're thankful for that. That connection, that relationship, is what. That's the beauty of living. Mm-hmm. Well. Uh- I mean, a lot of people would say, hey, Dan, you, you know, you're a lawyer, you're an engineer, you could do all these other things. It would certainly make more money than teaching yeah. robotics up at Central High School. And uh, and so obviously your answer is 
it ain't about the money primarily. Well, I mean, you're not doing it for you, free. You make, but, you make money. You could, do we all have to make money? Sure. Should teachers have to worry about how? Should you know, I, had a, I had one of my colleagues t- call me the other day, and he and his family, who lives in this really small house, wants to get a bigger house. Now, it's a real test whether he can pay two professionals. His wife teaches two. The question is, can I move up to this house, which is an older house? He wants to pay for it. Now, in my world, you damn right he ought to be able to do that. Mm-hmm. He work, He's worked hard. He's, his family's in the – getting to, soon will have middle-aged children. They should have a room of their own. The American way says, go get that house. But the problem is the economics are a struggle for him. That shouldn't be yeah. – that shouldn't be the case. Somehow we've screwed this up. He yeah. should be able to go do it. So is it about the money? No. But is it about being able to provide for my family comfortably because I've worked hard towards mm-hmm. it? Yes. Yeah. Okay. You know, a, a couple of weeks ago, Terrain Combs was here, and we were talking about education. And one of the things that uh, he said, rather matter-of-factly, he just said, you know, well, we all know how to solve the teacher shortage crisis. And there's, there's an easy solution. It's right in front of our noses. And I said, what's that? He said, pay them more. If you pay more, so you've already got people who are dedicated and want to do this. They were just trying to find a way to make it work financially so that they can, can stay doing it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, that didn't seem to be, you know, I was a high school principal and I decided to go back to law school to become a lawyer. It would be stupid of me to say that part of the reason wasn't so I could work less hours and make more money. I tell that to kids all the time. You know, the reason you might want to get trained I don't want to. I'd like to be able to have discretion in what I choose to do. So when I work, which maybe I'm doing something that I'd prefer to be doing something else, then I want to get as much reward for that work. So I want my work to be as valuable as possible. Mm-hmm. That don't seem misleading. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure there's a lot of people that feel yes. see it that way. Yes, but there was something circling all the way back around, though. There was something valuable enough about teaching, and part of it is being with your daughter and so yeah. forth. But you have always felt from the very beginning right. there is a tremendous value in education. And, Absolutely. And, and so ultimately that overcame a paycheck. Right, except, uh, except I, I, it sounds altruistic. But the fact is that I can, I can make that choice because I can do these other things that could make me more money. Mm-hmm. And I have. Yeah. Okay, yeah. you take that out of the mix, I wouldn't be quite so altruistic. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. easy to be altruistic when, you, <laughs> when things have worked out. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you know, I can just go teach. Well, I wouldn't just go teach if, my, if I had large debt. Yeah. You see? Yeah. So... I think a lot of people would have made the same choices I'd made if, if they, if we lived in a world where they could, they had worked hard, yeah, you know, day yeah. after day, and then sort of got the return that I think we should be able to provide people. Yeah, yeah. And that I don't think that's the case anymore. Yeah. And teachers are just a centerpiece of that problem. Yeah, they should get paid more. The people I work with are more valuable to the parents and to the children they're working with than anything they're getting returned for. Mm. And yeah. that's, a, that's an error that's costing all of us. Yeah. Yeah. You see? Yeah. Let's pause for a minute. One last break, and we're going to come back to a shameless plug, and we'll, we'll talk more about this education situation. Let's not call it a crisis, but, but okay. it's a situation, isn't it? 
It's a situation. I think so. Uh, it's a friendly fire Saturday here, talking with Dan Alberts on the Voice of Lincoln, fourteen hundred and ninety nine three, KLIN. Bringing you local voices to break down the news of the week. Friendly Fire with Stu Kurds on the Voice of Lincoln, 1499.3 KLIN. Welcome back. It's Friendly Fire Saturday talking with Dan Alberts today. And it's the back to school season, catching you before you you head back to Central and uh, teach instead of math, some robotics. Robotics. So that's very exciting. Yeah. Um, You know, we're talking about... uh, this made me, this, you know, having enough resources to do what you'd love to do is a, is a real privilege. Yes. And I think, when I think about myself, I, uh, you know, I'm 60 now, I'm eyeing, eyeballing retirement. For me, retirement isn't, you know, playing golf and hitting the early bird special. You know, it's, uh, <laughs> although I wouldn't mind once in a while an early bird special. But, um, I but can just see it, the early bird special, wiping your yeah, <laughs> slobber yeah, out of your mouth, and yeah, there we go. <laughs> uh, plenty of napkins. Uh, the, uh, but what it is for me is that it's, it's what you described. It's like I know things that I want to do that have value to me, but they don't pay much at all. And so it, for me, that's what t- retirement is. It's, it's financial flexibility, yep. and I hope that I have a solid body and mind to do this long enough. Yep. But man, I've got stuff I want to do yes, and, and stuff that I really value yes. that I think is important, yes. but I can't, I can't do it right now. I'm, I'm not ready financially to retire. Yeah. Uh, and so that part of it, uh, I, I would love for us as a culture to, I mean, you could, you could just retire, right? right. You could just, yeah, I could. You, know, you could start, you know, I don't know what I do. Well, <laughs> see, but collect see, coins, but see, I, and that's see. the point is I think, I think if you're of sound body and mind, you'd keep doing what you're doing. That's right. As long as you can. Yeah. And and again, I, I I have some ways in which I can do my job that are that in my mind are very they're important to me. They're very valuable, but candidly, they don't pay much. And uh, and so I would love to have the financial flexibility to do these things that are meaningful to me. Yep. Uh but I can only do that because I've had a job for 40 years that Helped me save enough to retire and Social Security right. and blah, blah, blah. And you've kept your family together and your spouse. I mean, yeah. so it's worked. So yeah. far. Yeah. Well, <laughs> well, yeah. 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 But I, but, and I think that's where rather than, you know, I, I hit this magic age and I, I live the life of vacation all the time. Again, I, I believe in vacations. I believe in fun. I want to, I have a bucket list, all that kind of stuff. But the meaning in life for me comes from, the things that, the things that I can do if I have that kind of financial flexibility, yeah. like you're like you're describing. Yeah. Well, and then, and that me too. And when I'm with my colleagues, who I'm telling you, they're the best colleagues. I, I, I had forgot. I became an administrator of a school way quicker than I should have because I never really wedded in with what the culture of teaching is. You're there every day. You're committed to this, and. Uh, uh, sometimes when I'm in there and I'm a little bit, you know what, if this doesn't work out, I'll do something else. I'm a little flippant in my attitude. Well, yeah. why can I be flippant? Because I can be. Yeah. You know, they don't want They want me to come do this. I'm not going to come do this. Yeah. But see, I'm talking to people. This is their career. Yeah. This is the job they have to have because it's what puts the paycheck on the table. Yeah. Okay, they're in that tight of a squeeze. Yeah. Now, 
that's partly because we don't value what they're doing enough. Now, mm-hmm. one other thing with this too, if you parents and families, if you really want people teaching your children <laughs> that are that are feeling squeezed all the time, mm. yeah. that can't have because of their lifestyle big visions about their world that don't have high hopes because they're sort of going from paycheck to paycheck. If that's really who you want in front of your, that's not who I want in front of my children. Mm -hmm. I want visionaries. I want people that are excited about their lives and moving forward. That's the American way. Well, Mm -hmm. if you're going to have those people, then they better be treated as if (laughs) they're highly valuable. I mean, we we treat our football players that way. For God's sakes, we ought to at least treat our teachers that way. Yes. yes. Right? I mean, I mean, and so that they walk in feeling valued. Mm-hmm. See, it transcends. If I don't feel valued when I walk to that building, when I'm in that classroom for six hours a day, it's going to cross over. Mm-hmm. Yes. And what's missing right now is hope. What's missing is future. Yeah. That's why I don't learn math. What the hell would I learn math for? I had kids tell me I'm not going to be alive when I'm 30, so why would I do this for? Mm. Okay, well, I never had that world. My world was I was going to be a doctor. Mm. <laughs> of course I got to learn math. Yes. Of course I'm going to go to the university. That was my context. Mm-hmm. Well, I want to have teachers that have the same kind of excitement. Yeah. And for a culture, the way you get that is you better treat them with damn high regard mm-hmm. and right now that's not how they're treated no it's it's a rough patch isn't it I it mean, is I, a, it's i have no idea i tell them all the time you know what i do i would just stop on the fifth day and just if i was running the world and i was head of the teachers union, i'd just stop and say what are you going to do i'm not showing up mm-hmm. now yeah. what are you going to do bud yeah <laughs> it's funny when i again i just taught for three short years but things were already I from when I was a student, when I was a teacher, things were already beginning to shift in the '80s, and one of those shifts was when I uh, when my parents went to teach uh, parent teacher conferences, they were there to hear a report about me yeah. and how you know they needed to coach me and correct me and and parent me to make me a better student. By the time I had gone to college and come back as a teacher, it, it had already begun to shift. And I found parents uh, examining me. And, and the, the fault was not with their student. Uh, the fault was with me as a teacher. And, uh, and things had already begun to shift, this kind of disrespect. And I, I remember as a kid, you know, I mean, the teacher's always right. You know, I don't care what you think. Your job is to please the teacher. And uh, yeah. it had already begun to shift then, and I just have to imagine it's gotten exponentially worse over right. the last. See, we had years. regard for them. I'm a, that's your teacher. Yeah, we had a foreign exchange student from Germany the first year, and she said, "You know, we call our what's the biggest difference between American and and German schools? Our teachers, our teachers were called professors." And she said it with such a way that you know she meant they're mm. in charge. There was a tone of voice that says, "That's the boss." Mm. And here. It's nothing like that. Mm. Now, we either get back to that or uh, no, no wonder there's a shortage of teachers now. I, I, I didn't recognize. I, I, you know, one last thing. I think about all the time I was a principal telling teachers what they ought to do in the classroom. I wish some of them had had the balls to say to me, <laughs> why don't you come show me that stupid <laughs> thing you just told me to do to get, get a hold of those kids? Yeah. 
Because <laughs> now that I'm teaching, that's what I think when they tell me something. Say, hey, come on, show it to me, bud. I'm, I'm ready to watch. I'm ready to learn. Oh, man. That was, you know, there's so many things that uh, I, I look back on. You know, it was, it was when I was teaching, I was seriously my first year as a teacher. I'm a, I'm a rookie, and they gave me a student teacher. And I thought, I'm barely learning myself. And now I'm supposed to help another teacher become like a, like somebody else that don't know what they're doing. Yes, it was, <laughs> it was, it was amazing. But I, I mean, I appreciated the level of trust they put in me. But I just thought I I don't know much. See, the, the schools reflect the culture. The, it, the, the schools don't. The, it's not the principal. It's not the assistant principals. It's not the school board. We just do not value. Education, we don't connect education now to being a bright light on the hill. And if we don't get back to that, mm. our costs are going to be high. So, there you go. I mean, I think those are those are our two themes today. Education and the sneaky way that whether you like it or not, religion has worked its way into your life. The golden rule matters. It does. It does. Even if we can't... <laughs> can't say golden rule. <laughs> we can't say golden rule and we're not sure, even sure what it, you know, what, what that means, but... Uh, well, good luck to you here in this upcoming. I want to hear more stories about robots. I'm I'm excited about it. I'm going to get it to go backwards this week. Nice. <laughs> I can't wait. It's always great to spend an hour with Dan Elvis. It goes so fast. It does. I leave you saying as I always do to think about it, talk about it. We'll, we'll see, see you, you next week. week.